Welcome to the Metric Stack Podcast. Your hosts, Alan Villa and Lauren Thibodeau, will talk to founders, leaders, marketers, and more to uncover how they succeed with data. Whether you're struggling with data, reluctant to take the leap, or maybe you're a seasoned expert with years of experience, you'll hear stories from people like you who have used data to grow and scale their business. We're here with Alan Lau, co-founder and CEO of Wattpad, a global multinational entertainment company where he leads the company's vision to entertain and connect the world through stories. Alan is a leader in Canada's tech sector and startup ecosystem. He's a member of the Council of Canadian Innovators, a lobby group that advances interests of Canadian technology companies at all levels of government. He's also the co-founder of Two Small Fish Ventures, a fund that invests in Toronto and Waterloo-based early-stage internet companies with strong network effects. Prior to Wattpad, Alan co-founded Feedmate, a mobile advertising company, as well as co-founding Tira Wireless. Alan, super happy to have you here today. Welcome. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's absolutely a pleasure for me as well to meet you. And I know for our listeners, Alan, I'd like to take us back to the beginning, to your founding story, which is just wonderful to hear and learn about combining your passion for reading with your profession as a software developer. And then your co-founder, Ivan, having a similar idea kind of at a different time. So what an amazing beginning to Wattpad. How has your kind of professional background and your passion coming together, how has that shaped your view of metrics as the CEO leader uh, of Wattpad? Yeah, I, well, um, uh, my background is uh, electrical engineering. Uh, I got my bachelor and master from uh, U of T. After graduation, I've been working in software uh, almost like perpetually for centuries. So, uh, 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 well, may, maybe that case maybe that case is better. Uh, uh, by the time I started Wattpad, I've been working for uh, in, in software for over a decade. But um, I think these two, uh, uh, even though on paper they may not be that related. But as an engineer, math and data and number is like the back of my hand. In electrical engineering at that time, when I graduated, you know, software as, as part of it, you know, there, there was no like computer engineering. They, they were a combined program at that time. So the name electrical engineering might be a little bit deceptive. But anyway, um, the, the, the point is, uh, as an engineer, knowing the data, analyzing the data, figuring out the, the, the trends, it's like mathematical equations that I learned at school. Uh, that's super, super helpful. And in a way that's um, really helped this company, because the company, Wattpad that, that uh, uh, Michael van Ivan and I built, is a blend of art and science, and uh, the, the science piece is also very important. I'm always fascinated. You've now been with, with your partner for, it's been about 15, 15 years. So that dynamic and how you were successful together, what did Ivan bring to the table that you didn't have and, and vice versa? Yeah, I, I, I think the one, one thing I also want, want to point out is we actually knew each other. Uh, Ivan was employee number one or number two of the first company that I started. So, uh, you know, I'm a serial entrepreneur. What that is my third company. So, um, you know, I, I knew Ivan for a few years. I, I knew his personality. And I, I have to say, uh, if you think I'm data driven, uh, Ivan is Tanix <laughs> that uh, he's a computer engineer. So um, I think in terms of uh, data and numbers, we kind of got this in our DNA pretty much since day one. And both of you had this passion of, of storytelling and reading. Was that something that you both shared? 
Yes, um, the, I, I would say initially when we first started, the reason I started the company is because I, I read a lot. Um, if you look at my media consumption, uh, uh, much less about audio and video, at least at that time, mostly uh, reading whether it's magazine or fiction or nonfiction, that's my media consumption in the evening after, after dinner. And I could uh, speak for Ivan as well. He's very much the same. So um, we, we started the company because we love reading and, and we love we want to build a product that we could use ourselves, which is bringing the reading material, whatever we want to read on a device that we carry with all the time. Now, there was a, a pivotal moment, right? Because the company started as a way for users to read things on a mobile device, but it wasn't until you integrated that sort of that community aspect or the social aspect that it, it started taking off. Tell me a little bit about that sort of experience. In, in the very early days, if you view Wattpad as a double-sided marketplace, uh, using the, the, the ter ter terminology, it's a marketplace for reader and writer. And for any marketplace, there's always one problem, the chicken and egg problem. Without any content, without any supply of content, there would be nothing to attract people to consume. And without any audience, there would be no incentive for anyone to write content on Wattpad. So what we did was we utilized the public domain books like the works from Charles Dickens, Prime Prejudice, for example, you know, we, we imported 17,000 titles that were uh, still a public domain and used that to bootstrap the, the supply side of the equation. And, and that worked to a degree, but we, we also have to understand why a lot of people love to read classic books. Far more people, they, they read something else. So uh, we, we leveraged that to build the, uh, I would say, bootstrapped the audience. And once we have some audience, then uh, I would have enough incentive for uh, writers to start uploading the content. But what we didn't realize at that time was that it took us two years before the first writer to upload the first piece of original content on Wattpad. And that was the pivotal moment because now I have something different. The, the public domain content, everyone has it. You, you, you could read uh, on, on the web or even go to a bookstore and, and buy a classic book if you want. There's nothing differentiated. But when the first writer started writing on Wattpad, that piece of content is original, unique to Wattpad. Of course, they, uh, that writer has the right to, to share somewhere else, but it's unique to us. And that started to, to snowball. Was it the fact that you now had this audience of readers uh, and people that were commenting that made it interesting for the authors to write? Yes. What we quickly realized, once we have seen the first chapter, I, I wouldn't even say the first piece of content because people serialize, right? Uh, people write a chapter, upload, and then see if the, the, the content is getting any traction. And this writer did. Because of the commenting feature, we could see the reaction. The audience size was very small and compares to, to where we are today. You're, you're talking about maybe 50 readers, but many of them, they comment, Wow, OMG, oh my gosh, this is so good. When are you going to upload the next chapter? Uh, wow, this plot is so amazing. 
interesting comments like this. There, there are two things I want to point out. Num number one, it encourages the, the writer to upload the next chapter because uh, of all the comments. And this writer knows why people are excited, why people are, are perhaps not excited, and then it would change the plot of the next chapter. The um, emotion, uh, emotional connection between the readers and the writers was enormous. I love that serendipity, that, that sort of journey that both the reader and the writer are taking together. And Alan, listen, I have a huge smile on my face right now because just before we started this podcast, we were talking about uh, what an enormous success Wattpad has been. And uh, Alec, who is our producer here on the call, he shared a story of one of his friends. And Alec, tell us this story of, of your friend because it's really amazing. So yeah, one of my friends, uh, they got their start writing on Wattpad and they're actually mm -hmm. now currently coordinating their first book release with William Morrow, which is a uh, imprint of Harper's Collins. So wow, I was amazing. actually wondering, <laughs> how has Wattpad empowered artists and changed mm -hmm. the landscape of publishing? Yeah, I, I, well, I think I can spend hours on this, but I'll give you the TLDR. Once we, we saw the first writer and the, uh, the readers, they were commenting and some of the readers start to tell other people. So one writer became two, two became four, four became eight. And that's how it took off in towards close to the end of 2008. That's when we saw the first upload. Uh, that, and that was two years after we started the company in 2006. And then by the end of 2009, the community was getting like thousands and thousands of writers and perhaps uh, tens of thousands, if not getting to hundreds of thousands of, uh, of readers at that time. And then we start to realize, oh my gosh, I cannot manually look at the, the data anymore. It's like tsunami coming at us. We have to figure out how to deal with data. So um, that's how we start to take on the data-driven approach. And then fast forward to today, uh, leveraging the data, uh, leveraging, uh, we have a piece of technology called Story DNA that is based on machine learning technology that uh, analyze the billions of uh, data points that we collect every day. And uh, through that and the building audience, we can pick the best stories on our platform. With the building audience, the stories are already validated. We like it, not because I like it personally. It's because a million people are telling us this is a great story. And then uh, we could take the, the stories, uh, some of them behind the paywall on the, on the, on the platform called Pay Stories, and, and we take some of them off platform into uh, print books, uh, into movies, into TV shows. Uh, we have a division called Wattpad Studios that produce the movies, the shows, and publish the books uh, directly. So if you go to Indigo, for example, or Barnes & Noble in the US or uh, other bookstores in other countries, you would see uh, a publisher, Kawata Books, uh, is directly coming from, from us. Many of them are directly coming from us. I'd love to pick up on that and drill in a bit, Alan. I love what you said in your approach to big data. And you know, it's not us who think it's great. It's a tsunami, but it's a million readers who are telling us it's great. Are there metrics beyond kind of number of readers and comments that really tell you if people are making an emotional connection? Like, can you measure creativity? How do you get data around that? We were not able to do that initially because we all we all we had was a dashboard. We know the number of reads. We know how many people are reading them. We know when that person upload the next chapter. We we know the demographics or geography where the, where the, these readers are coming from. That high level data. We knew nothing about the story itself other than um, the tagging system, like the writer can tag this as a romance or historical romance or sci-fi or or whatever. Uh, 
um, werewolf, you know, <laughs> would be one of those, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, the tags might not be like traditional categories, you know. There are some really interesting categories that we learn, but that's not the point. The, the point is, programmatically, we knew very little about the, the content. And that's when we uh, we hired our first data scientist. And that was 10 years ago. That was around the time, I, I would say, before Professor Hinton from UFT became a celebrity, before machine learning was, was a word in the dictionary. They, um, they, they probably weren't even called data scientists back then. They were just software engineers. No, no, that... that, that. That, that's right. You're absolutely right. So we, we started to invest in, in that. And then because of that investment, we start to understand AI, machine learning, deep learning a, a whole lot more over, over the years in the past decade. It's a long way to say leveraging machine learning using our story DNA technology. We actually understand the emotional arc in the story. So we could tell the writer well, uh, a typical science fiction is like this. The popular one, I like uh, the, the, the emotional uh, curve is, uh, or emotional arc is, is going up towards the end of the chapter. But your emotion is going down at the chapter. It's not a cliffhanger. So go fix it and you can, you can, <laughs> you, you can potentially increase your audience. Now, uh, well, we have that type of data available to us. Wow. So the story DNA is like, is like a writing coach. Somebody who will say, if you do this, we can assess that, you know, you're going to get a, a stronger following or more people are going to read it or share it. So I, I think like something like that, the ability to understand creativity and how people are hooked to a story, I think that is completely unique. I mean, if you talk to every other founder, you know, they'll say, well, we're measuring CAC to LTV and we're measuring, you know, revenue to employee ratio and we're measuring our, our debt ratios. But this is really unique. This is like the secret sauce that helps your writers become better and better and then ultimately helps Wattpad become better and better. Yeah. And because we, we see over a million uploads every day. So if you do the uh, calculation, uh, just back off the envelope calculation, you, we probably need to hire maybe close to 100,000 people just to read and use those humans to understand the content, to handle the daily volume. It's just, well, no pun intended, not humanly possible, right? So we have to invest in data to, to help us. That being said, I don't believe the machine can completely replace human. I believe uh, the uh, investment that we have is not replacing the human, but turning human into, into superheroes. So I think our content team, uh, many of the people on our content team, they, they are very fluent in writing SQL statements and stuff like that to, uh, to use our internal tools to leverage the data. Uh, and metrics to help them find the jams, understand why this is a jam, understand the plot. You know, we, we have those tools available to our content team. So they're very good at content, but they are also very good at leveraging uh, the data as well. So the combination is making them super efficient and much more accurate in the, in the assessment. What you can bring to the table from an AI or deep learning point of view is going to augment what a human can bring to the table from an experience and an emotional level. So I think both of those working together, not one replacing the other, is really where there's going to be huge gains in the future. Alan, let's, let's, let's switch gears a little bit. So I know that you're also involved with Two Small Fish Ventures. And uh, network effects, uh, looking at startups, and looking at interesting ideas is something that you're doing from time to time. 
When you're evaluating one of the companies or when you're working with one of the companies that you've currently invested in, let's, let's bring it down from you know, what Wattpad can do with all the millions of data points. Let's bring it down to a, a startup. What are the metrics that you look at? What are the data points? What are the KPIs that tell you if a company has potential and the ability to scale? One thing very interesting is uh, after investing in the, in the first few, we, we started to see some themes and, and trends that is kind of repeatable, uh, regardless of sector, regardless of the vertical, and almost regardless of where, whether the business is a marketplace or, or not. For most of the digital companies that we look at, the, the problem about bootstrapping the, the, the supply and, and then scaling the demand and then and Reaching the connections between the two, the engagement, but not just the, the passive consumption. The, the comments would be one of those good example of the uh, enriching the the engagement. These few pieces, on top of that, defining what your atomic unit is. In Wattpad, an, an atomic unit is a story. For Uber, for example, it's, it's a ride or, or a delivery, right? If you look at Uber Eats uh, as well, it's a delivery. So defining that uh, atomic unit and then find the supply, bootstrap the supply of that atomic unit. And then step three, scaling the demand of that atomic unit from the consumption perspective. And then step four, connecting and reaching the connections be between the, the, the two, collect the proprietary data that you can potentially apply like machine learning on, on those data in, in our case, or some other uh, an analysis. These four steps are very, very common across uh, all the companies that we, we invest in. So said a different way, I agree, starting on that fundamental core value, that atomic unit, what is it? that we are creating. Step one. Step two is defining that product market fit, understanding and building the supply side, and then going out to market and building the demand and the market, and then turning that into scalable network effects that can then uh, continue to grow. Did I sort of painted in in a, in a similar story using different words? Uh, yes. The only minor correction is you don't achieve product market fits until pretty much step four, in between step three or step four, because you can have all the supply that you want, but if no one comes to consume, then it doesn't matter. Your know, product doesn't, doesn't take off. And uh, perhaps uh, there's another step, step five, is how you leverage the, uh, the proprietary data that, that you collect. Because sometimes, the, uh, let's say it's a marketplace, whatever the atomic unit is can be a commodity. You know, uh, you might not be only one, but as you scale both the supply side and demand side, if you collect the data, the proprietary data, like in, in the case of Wattpad, it could be the fan connections, could be the comments, the, the data that only you have and, and nobody else has. I think a lot of companies almost stumble into that relatively late in the game. They realize after the fact that they actually have this data that is actually quite powerful and they can then use that to sort of further add value to the business or add value to the system or the users. That's, that's right. The monetization, mm -hmm. uh, um, in, in many cases, I'm not saying this is only monetizing through the proprietary data, but because the proprietary data is so unique and differentiated to your company, perhaps uh, and when, uh, when they take all business, it's probably the most valuable thing that, that you possess. Then some interesting business models uh, may emerge 
uh, on the platform. So, for example, why Amazon is so powerful is is a supply side of uh, people selling stuff on Amazon, and of course the consumer as well. But through the data. You know the buying pattern. You know all, all those things, and because of that, because of the data, Amazon, rightly or wrongly, they make use of that to to sell Amazon Basics, to create their, their their own brand. Right? This is a fairly unique uh, business model, and perhaps there there are other examples on, on Amazon too. You know how they leverage the delivery, how they do advertising on their own network. A lot of that is kind of unique because they have the scale and the scale of data. Oh, that's great, and and what a good kind of progression in those four or five steps that you laid out. If we think of enriching connections, I love that expression. Enriching those connections, really building the network interactivity. You mentioned, you know, commenting fans. Are there other of the startups you work with, or just in your experience overall, the lens you look through? Are there other ways to measure the fact that you're actually enriching connections that you found really early glimmers uh, in successful networks that have grown over time? There are a few examples. Maybe the most um, most well known one is uh, Skip the Dishes. Uh, we were, if not the first to write the first check uh, to to Skip. So everyone uses Skip now. So uh, it's it's a very well known product. But it is um, it's a very interesting three sided uh, marketplace. The the driver, the people who order, and also the restaurants. Leveraging the proprietary data, they they were uh, initially they were mainly focused in the suburbs uh, rather than the high density uh, metropolitan like like Toronto. They they were on the outskirts, and and the reason is the the driving pattern, the how they deliver, the distance that they travel would be drastically different than than that in the city. So how they calculate the the most optimal route so that you know uh, driving a suburb the distance is longer, perhaps takes a little bit longer to do the delivery. If we use the same piece of software. Software uh, that built for the metropolitan, it will fall flat. You know, all the all the food will arrive very cold in the winter, <laughs> for example. So that's one of the example of how they utilize the delivery data to constantly optimize the delivery algorithm. I can see that as the ultimate metric for skip the dishes, the temperature of the food or the delta, the delta of the temperature of the food, right? The so. crunchiness of the fry. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. So Alan, we've got two last questions for you. When you think about the phrase succeed with data and it's, and it's our mission statement at Clipfolio, what does succeed with data mean to you? The usefulness of the data is only as good as how you interpret that. In a way, data is super useful, but you have to figure out what data to collect, uh, what data is important to to you. Um, at one point, one mistake that 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 we made was, oh, let's collect everything, you know, track everything, right? And then before we we knew, we collected too too much data. We didn't even know how to analyze that. It's just way too much. What you collect. And how your samples has to be very intentional, and what problem you are trying to solve. Like in this case, one of our data scientists came up with the question: Can we utilize our data to programmatically understand the content? And that was a very good starting point of building the story DNA technology that, that I mentioned. It also has to be very intentional in terms of what data that you are, what problem you are, you are trying to solve. Because uh, sometimes uh, you, you have so many different data points, you're swimming uh, in a sea of data, and without that clear vision of what you try to achieve, you 
you might not be able to have the right thesis for you to, to try to start looking looking at uh, uh, the data. So it's almost like watching the sky uh, at night. You, you have to, uh, there are billions of galaxies out there. You, you don't even know where to start. If you have something in mind that you're specifically looking for, then, then it's so, so much easier. I think that's fantastic. And you've really led nicely into our last question. I mean, you've talked about focus, you talked about really framing up what's the problem you're trying to solve. If you were to give a closing piece of advice to founders out there looking to really, you know, <laughs> wait out the couple of years it takes maybe to to find that traction like you you did, what what closing piece of advice would you give to founders to help them succeed with data? Uh, especially in in the early days, I think this is important. You have to look for that tiny, tiny signal in the data to start understanding the trend and and come up with a thesis of what you make out of the the data. For example, when we look at how people use it, we realize interesting, very interesting. The people use it more so in the morning, but uh, in a very short period of time. But after dinner, you know, after 8 p.m. local time would, would be the perfect time. And you start to see the number drops up. But very interestingly, uh, sometimes at local time, 4 a.m. in the morning, you still see maybe 10% of our peak traffic. And that's very, very interesting. The, the signal wasn't very strong. You have to hunt, that, hunt it down and look for it. But uh, knowing that you, you can start figure out, oh, perhaps the, the people cannot stop reading. They, they get hooked into a story. And, and then we start looking at the comments and, and start to realize people are saying, oh, I, I just cannot stop. I'm in, in chapter five right now. There's five more chapters to go, but I'm so sleepy, but I keep on going. So that type of insights, very, very hard to detect in the early days, but you have to pay attention to all those little details. And that could become where you pour fuel on fire and amplify uh, the product features or or value uh, that that you're building for for your customer. Alan, I want to really thank you. This has been fantastic. Everybody, Alan Lau from Wattpad, CEO and co-founder, investor, uh, Galaxy Gazer, looking for those little signals. This has been a wonderful half hour that we spent with you. Thank you so much. Thanks again for inviting me. If you enjoyed today's conversation about metrics and data, be sure to check out Metric HQ, our online resource for the metrics that matter most to you and your business.